Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you on this Friday, July the 10th of 2020. As always, it is always a privilege uh, to have each and every one of you that are joining us uh, today on this podcast, wherever you find yourself, whatever part of the world you're in, uh, knowing that we are being brought by the Spirit of God. We have had a tremendous week in the study of the Word uh, this week, and as we are concluding this week and heading into the weekend, uh, we are so grateful for the tremendous things that we have been able to glean from the Song of Solomon. Never, <laughs> never in our, in, in, you know, at least in my mind, <laughs> what I would have thought that we could have gleaned this type of deafness in the Word. You know, growing up when I was younger, I've been married now for, I'm not even going to tell you, but I've been married forever 20 years, put it that way now, by the grace of God. But at, when we first got married, we went to a couple of marriage conferences. And and so the song with Solomon was always spoken about as a romantic, as marriage counseling. And I guess if you want to use it that way, you can. But uh, what we are gleaning today, what we have gleaned in this week is very tremendous. If you have been following, if you have been listening, and if you haven't, and this is your first one, I I I, I um I uh, advise you to go back and listen and what we have been able to glean the prophetic. And we give God the glory for that because it is his grace. We truly believe that God has reserved this revelation for this last day generation. And that speaks of us. And that speaks of you today. You that are listening, God is revealing in a very clear manner the things that are to happen. And what we desire in every podcast is to declare unto the people that Jesus Christ is coming back again soon. Hallelujah. And we believe that we are much closer than we first begun, but we understand also that there's still some things that must take place uh, for his coming. But we are near, hallelujah, and closer to that. So with that today, as always, it is a pleasure to be here with the panel, with our brother Marty and brother Fernando. It's always a joy to be able to come together and, and study the word of God together. Uh, there's something that happens, amen, when, when the people of God come with an expectant heart and we can receive from one another. So brother Marty, uh, it's been an amazing week, at least, you know, I know for a lot of us, you know, it's been such an amazing week, the things, the notes, the things that we have gotten from this. And I know that, believe it or not, there's even more to glean for, a lot more <laughs> that we can stay here and speak about. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you to share uh, what God has placed in your heart today and as we study the Word of God together. Yes, praise the Lord. We're excited about today. We've come through a week of, of some incredible revelation that we, like Brother Jeremy was saying, that, that the Lord has, has revealed here in the Song of Solomon as he's allowed us to look at it. And we encourage you, if you're just joining us today, to take the time to go back and listen to the other parts of this message. Um, as we began to study it, uh, we gave great description as to how proper interpretation of the Song of Solomon is made and how the scripture teaches us to look at it. It is indeed a poem of of great love and great passion, but but in its depth and in, and in its multiple layers, it, it's a description 
it's a prophetic uh, revelation that for for really for for many years has been hidden uh, yeah. within its pages. And we quoted uh, for, or, or referenced uh, a quote that I had read from one of the rabbinic scholars, the, one of the rabbis is a great scholar in Israel. In his uh, in his commentary on the Book of Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, he said that uh, it was their belief in their community that much of what is in the Song of Solomon would not be understood until just before uh, the coming of, of Mashiach or the coming of the Messiah. And so that kind of excited me because what we're being able to see uh, and what that was written 700 years ago or so when he made that statement. So here we are several hundred years later and we're discussing uh, in the Song of Solomon many of the things that that we've been uh, teaching uh, over the last five days now uh, from the perspective of the prophetic. It's a it's a prophetic poem. And it's much more deeper than like Brother Jeremy was telling us uh, as he was relating to us that it's always been used as some kind of, uh, you, you know, writing or section within the word uh, for married couples and romance and all that kind of stuff. Well, I guess you could do it that way. But to, to simply look at it that way, as we have been discovering, would be a, an incredible injustice to what it is that the Holy Spirit is revealing. And so we're excited to go into the fifth part today. Again, uh, we we only covered a few verses yesterday, and it brings us basically now to where we want to get into today, which will be uh, verse 9 through 13, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9 through 13, as we continue to go forward and, and explore uh, what it is the Lord is revealing. Would you read those verses, Brother Jeremy, as we get into our study in Jesus' name? Amen. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For, lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds is come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree put it forth her green figs. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Praise the Lord. Arise, my fair one, and come away. We're going to continue to to go forth in this, and I think we're going to see some things today that'll that uh, will really encourage. I I pray and and also reveal uh, some things that that are quite extraordinary. And and what we want to look at first is verse seven and eight. We'll just briefly talk about that, which is where we were yesterday, just so we can catch you up a little bit. If you're just joining us, and for those of you who are, have been with us, it's just a, a, a brief review. In, in, in chapter seven, as we talked about, we see a, a different bride now. Uh, she she stands no longer as the verse five bride, which is sick and and longing for her her bridegroom. She's she she had reached that place as we have spoken in other podcasts, uh, where it it seems to be revealing there indeed the Lord would go away, uh, which is what the Song of Solomon is all about. The the king the bridegroom leaves his bride. 
that he's he's been engaged and pledged to to marry, and he goes away. And so we talked about this being prophetic of the resurrection and and the Lord going back to heaven. And and so she she she's plunged into a sense of of uh, of of disorientation and 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 lament as as she is she's she's just come to know this great love of hers which is the, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and then he goes away he goes away and 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 then she begins to pray and ask uh basically and, and go back and study it yourselves uh, those of you who who are just joining us in verse 5 and 6 cuz there we have revealed uh that the outpouring of the holy spirit would come and that he would begin to reveal the bridegroom to her in the most intimate way uh, that is the inhabiting of our being of the church by the Holy Spirit. And that is why she describes him in verse six as having his left hand under her head, his right hand embracing her. It's an intimate sense that she has now of her her bridegroom being present with her. But we know that he's not there. So that is why we see here that what Solomon was revealing was was the was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we see. That is why as we talked about the other day, the Holy Spirit's primary and exclusive purpose is to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to us so that so that we're not in that sense of, of being lonely and isolated and missing him. He's actually present with us. Just like he told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, uh, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I go away, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. And that is how he's revealed in verse 6, as the one who embraces, the one who comforts, with his hand under our head and his arm around us, drawing us close to himself. It is, it is, it is the, the Spirit revealing him to us. So then when we get to verse 7, we see the transition of the bride. Now that the Holy Spirit has come, she now stands, and she's no longer laid out in, in this lovesick sense. She's full of the Spirit and now empowered and, and strengthened. And that's why verse 7 transitions to her standing up and declaring to the daughters of Jerusalem. She's basically charging them. That's what she says. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field that you stir not up nor awake my, my love or awake love until he please. And again, like we said, we encourage you to go back and listen to the previous podcast. But as we talked about there, once the church became filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, basically what she's saying there by by the phrase, uh, I stand and charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, what she's actually revealing there is is what would actually take place once the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. The church now became the um, the representative of the Lord in the earth, and God would take his presence away from the daughters of Jerusalem. And so the first function of the early church was to to extend the hand of the gospel to Israel. But Israel would reject that. She rejected her Messiah. But those who received him became full of the Spirit, and, and the church was born. And so when we read in verse 7, when she stands and says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, what we are witnessing there is the transference of the mandate and and the the uh the commission that had ultimately or, or originally been given to the to the nation of Israel to go forth and be that church to the gentile uh nations of the world but in their rejection of Jesus Christ and their refusal to accept him as their king and messiah 
that mandate and that original purpose and intent for her lifted. And it was fully realized as being lifted once the Holy Spirit came and the church was born. Brother Fernando uh, quoted that scripture yesterday in relation to that, how the Lord had prophesied that because they would be rejecting him, that he would take the presence that, that God had placed upon the nation of Israel and remove it and give it to a, another nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. He was referencing the church. Now, the church is the Gentile bride, but she's also made up of Jews. In the early church, it was primarily Jewish people. But her mandate was to go into all the world, right, and preach the gospel, which she did, wherein the bride became primarily Gentile with the expansion of the church and then throughout the Western uh, uh, civilization and and the birth of, of the Western powers and all through history, so forth and so on. So she first stands up and she charges the daughters of uh, Jerusalem by the authority that's been given to her. And we talked about that yesterday, what that authority uh, really, how she describes that authority. I'm going to go back and look at my notes here. Um, Let me see here. Uh, She describes that authority as being a, a, a church full of the spirit. And she uses that phrase in verse, uh, in verse 7, where she says, by the rose and by the hinds of the field. And we talked about the word rose, literally meaning, uh, what the word literally means in the Hebrew is to become pre- preeminent or to have ultimate prominence. So the church became the prominent one. It also means to be beautiful and glorious. Once the Spirit mm-hmm. filled the church, that 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 prominence, that beauty, that glory lifted from natural Israel and was given uh, to the Church of Jesus Christ in the early, in in the very first century when she was born, it also means the the word rose also means to be arrayed like an army. So she not only is the church, but she's the army of the living God. So she says to the daughters of Jerusalem, "What I am speaking to you right now, I am speaking to you full of the Spirit, and 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 I have become the prominent one." No longer are you the prominent one because you rejected the Messiah. We have received him, and evidence of that has been given. That's what <laughs> that's what Peter was saying. Remember when he stood on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit actually came and the church was born? He spoke to Israel, and, and he said, you know, you rejected your Messiah. And, and, and this sign of the Holy Spirit is proof that he's risen from the dead, he's made it to heaven, and he has sent the Spirit. And then he begins to prophesy to them of what was coming. So this is what we see happening in verse 7. The bride uh, says, I have become the prominent one by the rose. I have become the beautiful and glorious one. I have become the army of the Lord. Those were all phrases that had only been known to natural Israel up until this time. And so we see the transition made here. And what is being hidden and revealed in the second chapter of Solomon is the ensuing 2,000 years of church history that we've experienced up until our time. And so that's what would happen. Time would pass. She also says, I have become the prominent one, the beautiful one, the glorious one, his church. I am now the arrayed army of God. And then she says, by the hinds of the field. That's her authority. Because the word hinds of the field literally means uh, to be strengthened by the strength of a sacrificial ram. That's literally what that means. 
So she says, I'm prominent, I'm beautiful, I'm glorious, I've become the army of the Lord, and my authority comes from Calvary. He paid the price for me, and all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to my bridegroom, and that is what I'm invested with now. And she speaks to the daughters of Jerusalem and tells them this, and then tells them, uh, don't, uh, what is she going to say? She says, don't stir him up, nor awake love until he pleads. And we talked about those words and, and what they literally mean. In other words, what she was saying is, from this point on, your eyes will be closed and and they will remain closed until he pleases to wake you up, <laughs> basically. And, and And that's what happened to Israel. After that, it would only be a few short years where the temple would be burned to the ground. The nation of, of of Israel would be destroyed by by the Roman army in the year 70 A.D., and she indeed would wander the four corners of the earth for over 2,000 years, blinded like like uh, the bride declared to her, and and asleep to the understanding of of the prophetic scriptures because she rejected the Messiah. But she didn't leave her without hope. She says, "You'll be blind, and you'll be in a position of slumber." And you will not awake or be awakened by the one you claim to love until now he pleases. When he decides that your eyes are going to be open, when he decides that you're going to see, when he pleases, then it'll happen. And then we went to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, if you remember, where we began to discuss the fulfillment of what she said would happen. That when he pleases, he will open her eyes. That is still yet to come. That is that is nearing uh, the time to come, though, and the reason that we know that is because after 2,000 years, Israel indeed was regathered and became a nation after being scattered to the four corners of the world in 1948 after World War II. But she still doesn't recognize her Messiah, but she's headed there. We as the yes. church, we as her sister, so to speak, we know that. We know more about her than she does about her. She still rejects him, but she's headed that way. Because what the scripture in other prophecies teaches us is that she's coming under incredible scrutiny by the nations of the world. And there are many that are conspiring to remove her from the planet. It's at that time in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, where she will be uh, have the spirit of grace and supplication poured out upon her and her eyes will be opened and she will she will realize that the Messiah she's been looking for all along, all these millennia, all these thousands of years, that her her forefathers actually crucified him, and that's why it says in Zechariah ten, uh, chapter twelve, verse ten, that she will mourn for him and be in bitterness, as one mourneth for their only son, and he will reveal himself to her, and she will begin to cry out for him to come back. And thus, she will embrace the promise that the Lord gave her in Matthew, chapter twenty three, verse thirty eight, I believe it is, where he told her, "You will not see me here again." until you cry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So that's what's being revealed in those first, uh, in that first uh, few verses there. And, and then she, 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 she says, until he please, and she stops. And then it's as if Song of Solomon chapter 2 goes into verse 8. There's a transition, because we talked about that. It's like all this future has come, and then all of a sudden in verse 8. Can you read verse 8, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. 
So what she then begins to say here is after a, a long period of time and with the promise to the daughters of Jerusalem who will now be plunged into blindness and, and, and a slumber uh, that prevents her from actually seeing or understanding the prophetic scriptures, it is because she rejected him. Then it says if we go silent, but she she's left with that promise. And then all of a sudden we're awakened in verse 8 with the bride who is waiting for her king, recognizing she begins to hear his voice, the voice of my beloved. She hears him. This harkens to the end-time church because we compared Matthew 25, which is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. There is a statement there in Matthew 25, verse 6, that says, at midnight, a voice was heard saying, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. And that's the exact same language we have here in Second chapter of Song of Solomon, where the voice of her beloved, that is the voice of the bridegroom, is heard by her. And then she basically says what Jesus uh, taught us in Matthew 25, behold, he cometh. So we know by those that phraseology, that's end-time phraseology, that's last-day speak, if you will, that now we have been accelerated into the future, and she begins to, to say uh, and reveal that an end-time church will begin to sense and be able to hear his voice. She's going to begin to recognize him, and she's going to begin to understand something. That's what she says next in verse 8, is, Behold, he is coming. It is the message that will mark this end-time generation that truly belongs to him. And it is what they will begin to declare. And what, as we looked at yesterday, what she says, he's coming, and then she reveals what he's coming to do. He's coming leaping upon the mountains and skipping, right, on the hill. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that yesterday. That word uh, leaping, what it, what it literally literally means is to come down on something quickly with great force, like Brother Jeremy pointed out yesterday. He's coming quickly and with great force upon the mountains. And we referenced what are those mountains that she's talking about. We went over to Revelation chapter 17, verse 9, where it says, here is the mind that has wisdom, right? The, the, seven, the seven heads whereon the... the, the <laughs> the woman sits, are the seven mountains, or are seven mountains. And so by that, and I know we're, 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 we're actually teaching in a very advanced way right now, whether you agree with this or not, or whether you can understand what we're saying, compare these scriptures, because we're going through them fast, but go and look and, and, and study. But listen, he's coming quickly. What she begins to reveal at the midnight hour is he's coming quickly, and what he's coming to do is to bring a swift and quick uh, judgment upon the mountains. And those mountains are that beast, that global network, that global system of political, military, and religious control that the book of Revelation reveals. That's what she's referencing. And this has all kinds of implications for this end-time church, because much of the eschatology that you hear, which basically was, was, was new as we crossed into the 20th century, coming from England by a man named Darby, was that the church wouldn't even be remotely around when when the Antichrist is revealed, when the when the when the global system is set up. But that doesn't appear to be what we are witnessing here. Because she's declaring that she knows he's coming and then she knows what he's coming to do. And that's to swiftly bring judgment and destruction upon the mountains. 
And those mountains are well in place when he returns, and she's there witnessing it. She's she's being exposed to it. So the timing of what we're about to talk about today seems to be further along into the events that the Book of Revelation predicts will transpire than what the uh, the the, <laughs> the westernized, especially American church, has been preaching for the last hundred years. Now listen, he's coming to leap on the mountains. And he's skipping on the hills, and we talked about that as well. The word skipping literally means it it has the idea of someone who's on their deathbed, and they gather their feet up towards their chest, and they die. And the word hill means the place of idolatry, the place where the devil is worshipped, basically. You know, the high places where they would set up altars and offer incense to demonic power. So it's a twofold thing, and we see in that revelation there, that the system itself is tied to idolatry and the worship of images and idols, which is exactly what the book of Revelation teaches will be the chief spiritual component in the last days during the time of this global, uh, you know, worldwide system uh, that will be allowed uh, to come to pass. And we talked about that yesterday. We are very close to that, that the framework for a global reset is in place or very close to being in place. They're already declaring it. Uh, We were talking about that yesterday, the phrases we're hearing now uh, up under this COVID-19, this global pandemic, this craziness in our streets, the destabilization of the global economy and all the things that are happening. There is a collective uh, cry from the elite and the ruling political establishment that is that is saying that now's the time that we're going to need a global reset. There's talk of 7 billion people being vaccinated. And there's, there's uh, and it's a forced vaccination. It's not like a voluntary thing. So all these kinds of global uh, emphasis of, of global unity, global power, global economy, it's in our time. But what she says is she understands that it's that he's coming to actually destroy it all because it's the ultimate rejection of God. So that brings us to verse 9 because after declaring that she hears his voice, she senses his voice, then she begins to have revealed to her her that he is indeed coming and that it's soon, it's quick and that he's coming specifically to address uh this global system in Revelation 13. So she goes from declaring his mission to declaring what he's like, what he's now being presented to her as. She describes him in verse 9 as, my beloved is like a rose. He's like a a young heart. And so literally what she's saying is, is, is describing how he's beginning to present himself. He's readying himself to come. He's readying himself to 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 appear because that's what she's hearing. He's on his way, and so she begins to describe him as a roe, which again means that word is the same meaning that was used for the church in verse seven. It means that he's the most prominent one. He carries all splendor, all glory, all honor. It's powerful how she begins to present him because yeah. it also reve- it, it also reveals his state of mind. In, in the way that the root word of, of that word uh, row has this understanding 
It means to to swell or to be torrid, and also to gather or array an army. So what that is is showing us is what he's feeling like. He stands in all his glory, all his prominence, all the honor that has been bestowed upon him by the Father. But he also has something growing inside of him to swell within him that causes him to begin to gather his army. And and it's really beginning to show us the intensity and the force by which the Lord is coming back. Because like the Bible says, he's not coming as a lamb, right? He's coming to execute judgment upon the ungodly. And that's how she begins to present him, as a roe and then as a young heart. And, and and we talked about that yesterday, like the, the root word of the word young heart is the word in Hebrew, afar, which means that that it, it means to pulverize or to grind to dust. It's very descriptive, the language Solomon's using here, because when the bridegroom returns, he will come in splendor, in glory, he'll come with his army, and he's going to come to pulverize and to grind to dust the whole beast right. system and the whole antichrist system. That's what she's describing him as there in verse 9. Now, can you read verse 9 again to us, Brother Jeremy, and we'll get into our subject today quickly here. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. All right. That's what we're going to look at real quickly here today. Now, fasten your seatbelts because this is really exciting. So after describing all the things that I've taken the time to to rehash today and to revisit, and hopefully you'll go back and listen to it again because we we just expressed a lot of information, we get to verse 9, and she begins to describe him as the preeminent one, the one that is clothed in great splendor and army uh, and, 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 and is gathering his army. He's full of honor. And, and and he's coming to pulverize and to crush to dust the rebellion that's been on the earth for over 6,000 years now. What's extraordinary to me is is what she knows. See, I don't want to go by this and not dig in a little bit here and maybe learn some things by the Spirit here as to how we as the Bride of Christ, because that's who's talking here, um, how how the depth of the revelation of who he is as the all-glorious, all-splendorous, you know, all full of honor and wisdom and glory and, and beauty, uh, the, the captain of the Lord's armies, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings. That's what she's describing. But it's more than just describing something. It is emanating from her heart. This is who I love. She calls him my beloved. And this is what he's coming to do. And I find myself in this system I have witnessed the seven mountains rise up, the Antichrist system. I'm I'm surrounded by the idolatry of the wicked. But I have also heard his voice now. And what was being revealed is that that church, in the end, that sees these kinds of things coming to pass, it should alert her and let her know that he's already preparing himself. There are hints that he's readying the armies of God and who he's coming as is not as the meek and mild carpenter from Galilee, so to speak. It's the Lord of heaven that's coming. That's who she loves. That's who she's been waiting for for thousands of years. 
and the time is fast approaching. So then she uses this phrase in verse 9. She uses the word, she begins to unveil really now what begins to happen. She begins to unveil what she's seeing in her spirit, what she understands. It is truly what we what we should be, be be beginning to understand ourselves now. If you've been shut away with God at all, or you've been paying attention at all, <laughs> it should be the sound of his voice. It's him speaking to us, if you can hear. But look at where, how she first describes him, right? She says, he standeth behind our wall. The word standeth, it means to arise. It means to make one's appearance. So she's already beginning to declare and sense that he's about to come. He's about to make his appearance. And she uses the word he's standing up. Now I want us to remember that what the scripture teaches us is that the Lord is seated at the Father's right hand, right? He, he He's ascended into heaven and he sat down at the Father's right hand. Are, are you guys awake? <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. But here she sees him standing. Mm-hmm. So what that alerts us to is he's now readying to make his appearance. That's what that's what is being revealed. And that's what she's seeing. We're gonna know. I guess I don't have the right, you know, emphasis yet, you know, but I'm trying to communicate this. The bride is going to know. What do you know? Remember what the scripture says, this day should not come upon you unaware. We're not in darkness. We're in the light. We are light, he said, in Christ. And that that day should not come unaware. This is what we're seeing here. This day is coming. That's what she's declaring, everything we've been describing, all the words she's using so beautifully to describe him. And what she knows is he's standing. In other words, he's no longer seated, so he's not being, uh, he's not, he's now, in essence, been told by the Father, ready yourself. That's what's being, we're getting insight into conversation in heaven here, and she's revealing it. He's standing, which means he's getting ready to make his appearance. He's not sitting or waiting anymore. He's readying himself to make his appearance. But then something really, and I want you to pay attention to this. Then she says something. Can you read that part just where she says he standeth, brother? Yes. He standeth behind our wall. All right. That's the first thing. There's three things revealed here. He standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows. And he shows himself through the lattice. The standing part we're talking about, what what she's anticipating is he's about to make his appearance. But then she uses the, right? But then what she uses is the phrase, behind our wall. And it's very interesting because if you go look up the word behind in the Hebrew, it means this, that he, it means a hesitation or a delay. Do you guys have access to your Hebrew app there? Yes. Well, look up the word behind and tell me what it means, Brother Jeremy, so people know I'm not lying to them. <laughs> <laughs> Properly, the hind part generally used as an adverb. Let me see here. It means afterward, again, back, behind, beside, to follow. 
see what else. Uh, after the following part, Hindu afterism verb. Is that what you were looking for, Brother Marty? Or is well, there... it also means a hesitation or a delay. How, how deep can you go in that app you have there? Uh, let me look into the word here. Do you have something, Fernando, there? Let's see here. Okay. To procrastinate. There you go. What else? Uh, to delay. There you go. Be late to slack to tarry longer. There you go. All right. uh, to hesitate. There we go. Yeah, yeah I got it. It means to, it, that's that's the fullness of the word. So what what she's literally saying then, and 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 and, and brother, what we're literally seeing here is she's she's triggered knowing that he's about to appear. She she understands that that he's standing and ready to make his appearance, but then she uses a word behind our wall. So what's hidden in that word is that there appears to be when she anticipates he's right about to appear, she then uses the Hebrew word that indicates delay or tarrying. Mm. Mm. Now. <laughs> this is exactly what Jesus said would happen in the last days. We went over eight an eight-part series of of of, of uh, Matthew twenty-five. Remember, the wise five and the right. wise, and, and and the five wise and the five foolish. Remember, they set off with their lamps, but then while the Lord what <laughs> tarried. <laughs> amen. Amen. Yes. Do you, do you see what's happening here? Yes. So what we actually see happening and what's being revealed to us by the Holy Spirit through Solomon's writings here is there would appear to be a sense when she begins to hear his voice, then comes this sense that he's about to make his appearing, but then she uses the word behind, which actually in the in the Hebrew is he delays behind our wall. He's standing, but then something causes him to delay. He tarries. Just when she thinks he's about to make his appearance, then she like reveals, but he's tarrying behind the wall. He hasn't left heaven yet. Something has mm. caused him to delay or tarry or hesitate. This is precisely what happened. And I think what we're seeing in Matthew 25, like we talked about, if you go back and listen to those podcasts of the wise five and uh, the five wise and the five foolish, what we saw there and what we our thesis we put forth was was the fact that when Jesus revealed in the answering of the three questions of Matthew 24, verse 3, the last question being, what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world or the end of the age? When we okay. got to chapter 25, we explained that chapter 25 and the parable of the five wise and five foolish was his answer to that question. And the question was, what will be the sign of the end of the world? And so when he begins the story, as we put forth in that podcast series, what he revealed to us was there was going to be some triggering events that made the right. the, 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 the foolish and the wise virgins Go think forth. that he right. was right, was about to make his yeah. appearance, but then there's a hesitation. And we talked about that being the early 20th century, right? Israel coming back into her land, World War One, World War Two, Israel becoming a nation, uh, all of that. But in the early uh, part of the 20th century, 
if you go back and read the writings of of, of the uh, early scholars in the early church, right at the beginning of the 20th century, they were saying exactly what this bride in the Song of Solomon is, is saying. He's coming. He's about to make that, his appearance. Go ahead, brother. And that that tearing and hesitation, what we're saying is it it's a pro, it's been approximately a little over a hundred years. Um, again, the trigger point. They all went right. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they all went forth, right, to meet the bridegroom. Okay. We asked the question in that podcast. All right. So we know that that the parable of the ten virgins speaks of the end times. So we asked the question to the listeners: When did this take place, this this trigger point where everyone started going forth, proclaiming the coming of the Lord, uh, embracing the, the message of his coming, and so forth and so on. Uh, and we, we, we brought up a point that it was at the turn of the 20th century, uh, and, and so forth and so on. So it's been a little over 100 years, and, and we see a beautiful picture of that in the Song of Solomon where he's tearing. Yeah. Where, where right. he's delaying. So, so that's what we're saying. Yeah, and that's right. I couldn't say it any better. Because that tarrying part, it's revealed in other places of the Scripture as well. What's extraordinary to me is that it's revealed right here in the Song of Solomon. You know? I mean, we're seeing seeing the symmetry of of Scripture here. It, It does no violence in our interpretation and how we're breaking down the Hebrew words here to other Scriptures. Matthew 25 being one of the chief ones, that delay, that's what's being hidden here. Unfortunately, we were, we're reading, you know, the best that they could do, uh, uh, but, you know, in the King James interpretation of the Hebrew, but like I just had Brother Jeremy point out, as he as he broke down into the depth of the root word, of the word behind, he standeth behind, he stands ready to make his appearance, which is what she's saying. He's about to come. But then she says, she uses the word behind our wall. It is the Hebrew way of, of describing there seems to be a delay. Even though she thinks he's about to appear, for some reason he hesitates. But but she leaves him standing. See, he doesn't go back and sit down, <laughs> which means that he is coming. But there's going to be a right. delay. Oh, uh, man, I'll tell you what, we're digging in. All right. <laughs> so, uh, because what, 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 what we're feeling, it seems like he is sitting down, right? Yes, but, like but he's he not. Right, but, but he's not. That's what the Bible, yes. that's what the uh, the Song of Solomon is declaring. He's not. He's not. And, and remember, to us, 100 years seems like, oh, my God, 100 years is a century. Right? But, but in heaven, it's moments. It's like yes. a second. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Were you going to say something? No, that's what Peter said in in uh, in. Uh, let me see. Is it is it Second Peter chapter three? Right, where he speaks about. Well, actually, verse nine. He begins by at verse eight. He says, "Be not ignorant. Of, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day." But then he says, "This the Lord is not slack." Concerning his promises, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's that's again, uh, that's a good scripture uh, to point out because the day with the Lord is is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Basically, time is nothing to Him, but we are trapped, right, in time and space. 
And that's what she goes on to reveal. Because notice what she says. He stands up. She anticipates he's about to appear. We're saying that's the early 20th century in the last 100 years. They've been thinking he's coming. And notice she doesn't present him as sitting down. Right? She she presents him as standing up as if he's about to appear as the glorious coming king of kings and lord of lords. But he remains behind the wall. In other words, he delays and hesitates in her vision of it. But in the economy of heaven, uh, it, you know, this, this last hundred years is but a drop in the bucket, right? And, 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 and it's a hesitation that's revealed to her. And, and behind our wall is that he, he's standing and yet he remains in heaven. Yet he's standing. So he's ready but there's going to be a delay. That's what she's saying. And what I find fascinating as well is what I think is also being revealed here is her mindset is is heavenly. Because where is yes. the bridegroom? He, he's in heaven, right? Right. So her, and notice what she says. It's not his wall. What is it, yes. Brother Jeremy? It's our wall. Behind it's our, our wall. Yeah, which kind of sounds like Hebrews 11, right? He has indeed prepared for them a city. They're looking for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, right? This is the kind of quality of bride that he's coming for. This is the bride that's been developed that's just about to be rescued by him. This is the end-time bride. Her sights are set on heaven, and so great is is her hope in heaven that she calls it our wall. He calls mm. it. It belongs to us, me and my bridegroom, right? I mean, it, it's mm. our promise. It's the heavenly city, Jerusalem, right? It's our wall. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's awesome, man, because set your sights on things above, right? So, so she sees him ready to make his appearance, but he stays behind the wall. It's a delay. It's a, it's a momentary hesitation. But what's really cool is the word wall, because it, 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 it intimates what he's coming to do. And it's very important as we go into the next two, two, two sentences. He hesitates and he delays behind our wall in heavenly Jerusalem. It's a momentary pause, but the word wall it, it has the sense of this. Can you read it in your Hebrew thing? Do you, do you have access to it that quick? I, want I, you to I read do. It. It's, it's a very simple one that I saw here. It says, a wall as gathering inmates. Yes. Is that what you're referring to? Okay. Wall. Yeah, yes. that's what it says. The gathering of wow. inmates. So she reveals his intention. He's standing to make his appearance, but oh my gosh, there appears to be a delay. A delay of what? Of the gathering of the inmates. It's a funny phrase to be considered an inmate, but that's what we are. We are the prisoners yeah. of the earth. Prisoners. Right. That's right. <laughs> this, yes, of this yeah. world. That's right. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's Glory coming to, to open. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's coming to open the prison door and take his prisoners. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what she's Glory saying. Glory to God. But there's going to be a little. There's going to be a little delay, she says. But he's coming, and when he's coming, he's coming for the inmates. The inmates, yeah. We are the prisoners of this world, man. Yeah. This world ain't our home. And it's a beautiful thing there because 
it is it is what Isaiah said of him. It's what he said of himself, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, so forth and so forth, to open the prison doors, right? That's what he yeah. said he was anointed to do, to open the prison doors. And there's another scripture. I can't remember exactly where it is right now. You can look it up later. But it says he leadeth his prisoners out of the prison yeah. house. Right? Hallelujah. That's what he's doing. So when she's saying, you know, oh, he's about to come. And then she goes, ah, oh, but he's delaying. But when he comes, he's going to gather the inmates and bring them home to heaven. Basically is what he's saying. He's going to take us out of this prison called time and space. Right? It's really cool. Right. <laughs> so, so, so now we know why we go on into the second thing, which is what she declares of him. What is what's the second thing, Brother Jeremy? Uh, the second thing is that he looked forth at the windows, right? He looked at, right. He looked forth at the windows. So now we know why. He, see, he's still standing. He, there's a delay. His intent is to come and gather us to our heavenly home to take the inmates from off the earth. That's what she's saying. And then, and then he says, but then she gives us, a, 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 you know, a something further. He's still standing, but now he's looking forth at the windows. See, these things speak then, and it even adds more intensity, basically, from what we were just talking about in his delay. Because, again, like I wanted to point out, he's not sitting down. He's still standing. Yes. And, and, and what this reveals is that we're on our Lord's heart at this moment of Hallelujah. most intense. It's most intense what's being revealed because it gives us an idea yeah. of what Jesus is feeling because he's looking forth at the windows in this delay period. It's, you know, the fact that he's looking through the window, it's an intensity. It's a scrutiny because what he's yeah. seeing is what's happening on the earth. It's an intense gaze, first on his bride and second upon the wicked that are about to be judged and about to experience his wrath. See, it, it's revealing something. There's going to be a delay, and the delay produces within the bridegroom this, you almost have this intense feeling that he's pacing back and forth. And when you look at what it says, he looks through the windows, plural, he, it, it means that he has an intense gaze and scrutiny it's as if he's anxious and we know from other scriptures something's happening what would cause him to be anxious is his bride is suffering oh come on somebody <laughs> yes yes it's why it's why he's standing you look up those words and that's what it means he delays something's transpiring that seems to be implying as she's revealing by the spirit that he's pacing back and forth and looking with great scrutiny upon the earth. He looketh forth at the, at the windows. Now we know, and we ain't got time to get into it today. And these are all separate subject matters and, and with hours and hours of incredible insight given by the spirit, but, but we're seeing the heart of our Lord. What's begun on the face of the earth is going to get more intense. We've already begun to see in a great way the attack that's coming on the church in America. It's already been going on around the whole world. But it's here now. Just Google a few things on, uh, on YouTube or whatever, however they say it, and you'll see what they've been doing. 
in desecrating churches and intimidating churchgoers and shutting down churches and making it uh, illegal to sing songs in your church in California. You can go to jail for it if you persist in it. It's already begun. And, and, and that's why in the interim delay, the momentary hesitation of making his second appearance, what's being revealed here is the persecution of the end-time church. It's why he's pacing back and forth. He hasn't sat down in a relaxed position. He's risen up to make his appearance. His desire is to come and rescue the inmates from the planet and bring them home to heaven, his bride, with him. But that delay yes. causes something to unfold, which is what God has revealed in his prophetic scriptures all along that there will be given a season and a time where the wicked system and the ruler of that system will go war, go forth to make war with the saints, to wear out the saints of the Most High and to overcome them. There will be a season when he will be allowed to persecute the church without restraint. And that's why she sees him pacing, standing, looking through the windows with an intense gaze because he feels for his bride. She's under suffering, and he wants to come and get her. He, he also wants to come and execute judgment on those that have hurt and persecuted his beloved. My goodness. Wow. But then something, something so incredibly marvelous <laughs> happens. In verse 9 through 13, the third thing. Read the third thing that happens, Brother Jeremy. Showing himself through the lattice. This is profound. This, When I began to have this shown to me by the Spirit of the Lord, as I began to really dig into these things and, and really dissect these words and everything as we're flowing in this teaching, um, I began to realize what happens here and how beautiful it really is. Because when we compare Scripture with Scripture, what we know is that no man knows the day and the hour of his appearing. But we know the general time, the general season. And that is what is revealed to us in multiple places. But again, I quote that Scripture where Paul said, that day shouldn't come upon you unaware." In other words, you should you should know the times and the seasons. You should be aware because the Lord was was incredibly detailed in giving us the signs, as it was in the days of Noah, like it was in the days of Lot, you know, uh, and all the other descriptions that He gives: signs in the sun, the moon, the stars upon the earth, distress of nations, plagues, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, all this stuff that He left us keys, false prophets. Falling away, the love of many waxing cold, iniquity abounding. I mean, it's just, and that's just, just a brief, you know, bit of description there. So, with all those things, if we're paying attention and being led by the Spirit, it should alert us to being like this bride. She understands something, but she's also revealing that in the interim delay, what's going to come out appears to be indicating what the other scriptures tell us that a persecution level event will come. For a, for a brief moment of time, John calls it, here is the faith and the patience of the saints. <laughs> he that leadeth into captivity must go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. He's referencing the wicked who persecute the church, Revelation 13, 10. But, but here we are. 
because the interim, as he's anxiously, as we're giving his heart here, he's anxiously pacing in heaven, ready to make an appearance under a delay, looking through the windows with incredible scrutiny because he sees his bride in duress. And suddenly, when she least expects it, he shows himself through the lattice. Let me look at, let's look at this because it's extraordinary because right here, brothers and sisters, up under this intense scrutiny, this intense pacing back and forth of our heavenly bridegroom, suddenly he's allowed to show himself. Oh, come on. Somebody Hallelujah. help me out here. Hallelujah. <laughs> he shows himself. And, and that word means what, brother Jeremy? Look up the word showing. He be, He's showing himself. Yes. It means, uh, to glance, to twinkle, to blossom, to bloom, to show self, to flourish, to shine, sparkle, gleam. There you go. And that, that, that's pretty descriptive. What are we having described here? He blossoms, he shines, he sparkles. In another place, it literally, what it's literally describing is a great flash of light. <laughs> to twinkle. Yes. Yes. The twinkle. Uh, hallelujah. Twinkling of an eye. Turn over to First uh, Corinthians fifteen. You 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 said it, brother. Right. <laughs> That's exactly the same word. <laughs> look at you look at chapter First uh, Corinthians fifteen and read it to us, brother Jeremy. Verse fifty one and fifty two. My God, I can barely contain myself here in this little room. Of my... <laughs> I got a, I got a question. Are you guys awake? Because I'm, yeah. I'm it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I hope they're awake. <laughs> First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, you said? Yes, read verse uh, 51 and 52. Yes. What's the first word? Behold. And what does the bride I... say in Song of Psalms? Solomon chapter 2, verse 9. She says, Behold. Behold. <laughs> Go ahead. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, analyze. Take note. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> At the last, last trump. Praise the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord. You know, I've always, I've always, you know, we've heard, pre we've shouted and all that kind of stuff and, you know, it can't be this stuff. No twinkling of an eye and all that stuff. And then today, as I was reading it, I was going, whose eye is he talking about? Because he, he says the twinkling of an eye. He's talking about the Lord's eye. Right. He's not. Because that's what you just read. I'll go back to the Song of Solomon. That's what you just read. It's to gaze with a twinkle, right? Showing himself through the lattice. Yes. He's showing himself through the lattice. So as we described in verse 9, all the events we were talking about, he stands, he's ready to make his appearance, but then there seems to be a delay. But she reveals that what he's intending to do is to come and rescue the prisoners of the earth, his own people. 
But then there seems to be uh, in that delay something that causes great anxiousness with the bridegroom as he paces back and forth and is with great scrutiny looking through the windows. He's looking down on the earth at his bride and what's transpiring for her. And in that, suddenly he shows himself. He blossoms, blossoms in a great flash of light, in a twinkling, in a shining. That's how he shows himself through the lattice. This is really incredible because it's a flash of light that's being described here. It's a twinkle. It's a sparkle. See, he comes suddenly in a moment. It's when it's when the scrutiny's at its at its height. It's when the persecution is at its height. What he's pacing back and forth about. Suddenly he shows himself, but he shows himself as a twinkling, sparkling, blossoming light. It, it has the. It, 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 we're getting some really cool insight here as to how it's going to happen. It's going to be like a flash of light, like an ex, like an explosion in every direction of light. And when the light implodes upon itself, it's like it's it's going to expand and then come back to the center. That's literally what it. It has the sense of it's as if we're going to all be enveloped in this light and gathered to him. Brother Jeremy, turn quickly over to Luke chapter 17, would you? Because he describes yes. this event that we're reading about right here. Right. Yes. Yes. I'm ready. Luke 17, verse 24. Flash of light. Look at this. I was just thinking about that as you were speaking, too. That same scripture, right? <laughs> yeah. Or as the lightning. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother Mike. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. Okay. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man be in his day. So it's a flash of light, right? When he comes back, yeah. he says, when the king comes back, it, it, it's going to be like a flash of light, like the lightning from one end, one end of heaven to the other. That's what's being revealed here in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9. That's what those Hebrew words mean, showing himself. It's that flash of light. It, it, it's, it's the in-between of the, of the looking forth at the windows, which is implying the persecution that he's, he's intensely scrutinizing. And then it's as if the father says, go get him. And there's this. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 He, he goes and he comes instantly in a flash of light. And she uses this incredible language. She uses the flash of light is she describes as being through a lattice. Brother Jeremy, what does a lattice mean? Good, good. Uh, right here. Hallelujah. I wrote some things. Oh, uh, well, let me see, Lattice. Let me look it up. Praise this, God. Uh, this is intense. It is. <laughs> My goodness. And, and brother, and brother Marty, it's it's giving us the the, the correct timing of yes. of end time events. And yes. this is where people are going to have to you know, deal with what scripture is saying here. It's not, it's not yeah. us. The Holy Spirit is giving you the timing of events, how it's all going to take place. And as we're listening to what scripture is saying and what's being revealed, 
Um, I think we've had it wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to put it to put it bluntly, um, uh, you know, again, I'm, just just I'm look big. at what's happening right. Just look at what's happening right now. Yeah. How do you you know how, how do you you know uh, how do you make sense of what's going on right now? You know, it's a global yeah. thing that's taking place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you mean like do you mean like how do we make sense of right now with our eschatology that we have? Is that Absolutely. What you mean? Exactly. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it doesn't match. It doesn't. It does not match. Yeah, because that's what's being revealed is it's it's primarily a, a Western doctrine, and 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 it came out of England in the late 1800s, going into the 20th century, and then it was promoted by Schofield and that whole camp. And then we ended up with a charismatic Pentecostal believing it. And it became a point of salvation to these people. But we're not yeah, saying that he's, he's... Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. no, Brother Marty, we could, if you look up uh, John Darby, I think that was his name. Uh, the yes, one that's who, right. Who, Darby. Who started. And you'll see how he got this. You know, that, so it's only about 100, 150 years old, this, this doctrine that came, as you said from England, from that man by the name of John Darby. All right. you got to do is Wikipedia and you'll, and you'll and look into what... Yeah, when that doctrine came out, that that was with the Plymouth Brethren, man. When that doctrine came yeah. out, uh, no less than Charles Spurgeon himself took out full-page uh, ads in the London Times in England warning the people that this doctrine was erroneous and telling them not to follow it. That it was a it was a deception of the enemy, and it caused a great stir. You go back and read your church history; it caused a great stir. But no one, no, uh, no, uh, someone as, as prestigious and honorable and 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 highly revered in the church as Charles Spurgeon, he himself said, "Stay away from this." But you see, what has happened is that it has it it came across the ocean into the United States and has saturated uh, the 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 Pentecostal charismatic. Uh, ranks uh, especially and and they have preached this doctrine of of escapism uh without persecution without trial right and, and so and so people are going to be so disillusioned as we continue to see what's unfolding right before our eyes right now as we're speaking around the world what we're going through and what we're seeing is going to increase with intensity it's coming I'm telling you right now, it may seem like we're in a in a temporary lull just because something hasn't happened in two days or three days. You know, right. we've gotten we've gotten used to the outrageousness of what we're living under, but more is coming. And as it begins to challenge the eschatology, if you will, fancy word for the study of last day things and events, and this doctrine that has been formulated that we're going to be taken out of here before anything happens. It's a uniquely American thing now, and it's going to come shattering down like a house, a house of, of cards. It's going to fall to the ground, and 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 it's that's why it's why I believe the Holy Spirit is having us, like Brother Fernando said, look at these things because He's revealing the timeline. It is so that we can prepare. I mean, how do you square he that endures to the end, he that overcometh? Right here is the faith and the patience of the saints. On and on and on. You know, he's going to make. In this world, you shall have tribulation. In this, uh, that's a good one. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But see, but but what the world today thinks is tribulation is that 
I only have, you know, one flat screen TV and not two, and I'm just going through it, you know. I, I don't have money to go to McDonald's. That's not tribulation. You know, and, and what makes this doctrine very dangerous, my brothers, very dangerous, is that it's mixed in in the Bibles, the Schofield Bible, the Scriptures, and they're in our notes, so people take it at, at face value but don't under, understand where this doctrine came from. And that's what makes it very dangerous. It's, it's in the many Bibles, millions of Bibles that were produced it, with this doctrine. Yes, and it wasn't it wasn't the predominant teaching of the early church either. There there were right. there were you know so you go back into church history and that wasn't it. Now there's those that'll argue and they'll do like their their little gymnastics you know to try and make it fit. But we're going scripture <laughs> by scripture, word by word here. And and this is what the, the, the Lord has been revealing all along. And it, it is precisely so that we will draw comfort from it and be prepared mentally for it. But he also told us and told every generation, pray that you be counted worthy to escape these things. He wasn't talking about uh, that we would all escape. He was saying, you know, <laughs> that you might stand before the Son of Man. That, that these things won't come upon you and, and basically destabilize your faith so that when the Son of Man appears, you, you would have to shirk back in, in, in fright and fear knowing that you blew it. He says, pray that you will have the strength to endure up under it and, and that when I return, you can stand before me, having made it through by the strength of my spirit. And so what do we see here? He paces back and forth. He shows himself. It, we don't know when that showing is going to happen, but it's going to be sometime in there. And and the word showing is a brilliant, twinkling flash of light, which Paul revealed, right? He said, behold, I'm going to show you a mystery. There's going to be a twinkle of his eye. If you think about that twinkling of an eye, it's really cool because he is the creator. <laughs> He's I mean, it, it, it's incredible to me that something from his eye or a focus of his eye actually causes something to happen. That momentary twinkling is him sending forth the flash of lightning that gathers his children. And he says how he's going to do it is through the lattice. What does the word lattice, Brother Jeremy, mean? Yeah, there's a deeper meaning, but I'll, I'll, you want me to read the general one? Is a, it means a net. Uh, let me see what else. An an opening through which one may look. You want me to go deeper? Yeah. yeah okay. Keep going. It's all right. It says to braid, to entangle, yeah. or snare, or catch yeah. in like in the net. That's ah, what I have here. To set in right. motion. Yes. <laughs> all of that. So what's he what she's saying? This flash of lightning is through the lattice. The lattice is a net. It's 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 it means to snare right and to catch. So literally, she's saying the flash yeah. of lightning is like a net that that catches something, and <laughs> and brings it through. I mean, that's what she's describing the catching away, brother. That's what that's what that literally means. You know, it's 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 the snare. It's it's the great catch. It's the great carrying away. It's it's going to be done with light, but it's like yeah. a net. What did you say, brother? It's the rapture. It's the rapture, exactly. <laughs> to put it simply, yeah. If you leave it to me, I'll give you ten million words. No, it's just the rapture of the church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the rapture of the church, but it's so beautifully hidden here. 
It's so beautiful, yeah. concealed, you know, and the language is beautiful. The word lattice also, you know, like you said, it means a braid. And and as you really do these studies and get into them, it, it's so extraordinary because it, it also has the sense of, of of the construction of all matter, of all the universe that you can see, of everything solid, of the building blocks of creation itself. As if what's revealed is there's going to be that opening you were talking about, Brother Jerry, of sorts, which is where we're going to be caught up into it, in this fishing-like net, and we're going to be brought mm -hmm. home. It's as if he's going to tear open a hole between the veil of of, of yeah. the material world. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what it's implying. And, and then it's going right. to seal up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's, that's what that we wall. saw. Yes, Hallelujah. and that's what we also but that's what we see at the Red Sea, right? Because because it's as if when they get to the Red Sea and the and the persecution is at its most intense, God parts the waters, they go over on the other side, and then he seals it up and destroys his enemies. See and, and it's <laughs> It's a divider of sorts when it stands. He he, it, he stands behind uh, our wall, right? It's, yes. It's, it's a divider between the natural and the supernatural. That's and right. He's ready to pierce it to to snatch his people up in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. So he's making yes. his way up to this wall. He stood up from from where he sits, and he's making his way up to this wall where the supernatural meets the natural, and that's where we will be caught up in the yeah. air, right, to meet the Lord in the air. He's going to tear a hole in matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to – that's why I think that's why there's, there's, a, there's a reverberation, right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with what? A shout, right? A shout. You know, it, it, it's, as, it's a piercing, loud call. And 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 it's like it's it's gonna tear a hole, an opening, and it's gonna suck us up in light, man. We're gonna be caught up with him. <laughs> okay, so before we get nuts here, <laughs> and I start losing my mind because this is before you lose your mind, brother Marty. Yes, <laughs> before I lose my mind. Okay, so listen. Uh, so now we know, and he he takes us in the light. That's why, brother. When, by the time we get to part, remember, let's go through verse 9 again. Uh, he stands as one who's glorious, brilliant, honorable, gathering his army. Uh, he's like the young heart, right? He, he He's coming to, to pulverize and execute judgment. And then she sees him standing, which is he's presenting himself and about to make his appearance. But then there appears to be a delay, right? But his intent is to come gather the inmates, the prisoners of the earth. And it's our place that he wants to bring us home to. She calls it our place, our wall, behind that wall. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. But then something appears to take place. It's an incredible persecution. It's, a, it's an intensity. He's pacing back and forth. He's looking through the windows. He's scrutinizing his bride on the earth. Uh, he, he's, he's, he wants anxiously to get her. He's, he's not happy about what's going on or what's coming. But we see his heart here. And then somewhere between that intense scrutiny and wanting to come after a short delay and then wanting to come, 
then there's suddenly a flash of light. And we know from Scripture that that's when the father taps him on the shoulder and says, go get her now. <laughs> right? Go get her. And that's what that's what she hears, right? With the flash of light and the opening of the lattice, so to speak. What happens in verse ten? He speaks, right? Go ahead, brother. Read that, would you? Verse ten. My beloved spake and said unto me, "Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away." Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rise up. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Rise up, he tells her. But he tells her twice. And that's what yeah. we're gonna close with. That's what we're gonna close here with. He says, Rise up and come away. Why? Because we know that persecution's been going on. So the first rising up according to scripture is what? The dead in Christ shall rise first. <laughs> Listen, we'll get it. I'll prove it to you here in a second. But what's the first thing? Because remember, we told you he was pacing back and forth, looking through the windows. There's something going on, you know, and we know that's the persecution of the church. He wants to come get her. The father taps him on the shoulder, obviously, and says, now go get her. There's this great flash of light, and she hears a voice saying, rise up. <laughs> so as she's rising up, you know, uh, a revelation of, of, of tribulation before wrath is revealed because our Lord begins to comfort her as she's rising up. What does he tell her in verse 11, Brother Jeremy? For, lo, the winter is past. The rain, the rain is over and gone. Hallelujah. That's what he's going to be telling us as, we're, as he comes to take us home. He says, you've been through it. The winter's over for you. Winter literally means that long, dark season. It, it's representative uh, of the tribulation. It's why he was looking forth through the window. You know, that brief delay behind the wall, it explains his anxiousness, his intense description here, uh, you know, of what Solomon is revealing. Is he, he's going to say, rise up, when he comes in that flash of light. And as we're being rising up, it, he, he starts speaking to us and says, come up, because your trial, your dark time, that brief, dark winter has passed. I've come to take you home. The rain is over and gone. And you look up that word rain, it means violent rain. It means violent rain, intensity, what you've been experiencing, my beloved. It's over for you. It's gone. You're never going to have, hallelujah, <laughs> you're never going to have to go through that again. And why is that? In verse 12, Brother Jeremy? It's, um the flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. And what else? The fig tree put it forth. Uh, the fig tree put it forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Hallelujah. It's the second time he says, arise, my love. He says it twice for a reason. First of all, he says, this winter is over for you. I've come in a flash of light to take you home. The rain is past. It's over. And then, and then he, he begins to use the language of resurrection, right? Springtime. The flowers appear on the earth. It's time for the birds to sing. The voice of the turtle dove really is what what it should say, not a turtle. 
was the last time you heard a, the voice of a turtle, right? It literally means turtle dove. <laughs> it should have been turtle dove. I don't know why they just left the dove part out, but it's the voice of the turtle. But it's heard. Where's the voice of the turtle dove heard? In our land. Hallelujah. In heaven. I'm taking you home to heaven. That's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where resurrection is. That's where singing and praising is. That's what he's revealing here as we're being caught up. He, he's, he's revealing that resurrection has come. And then he, he includes both Israel and the church, because in verse 13, he says, also the fig tree has put forth her green figs. It, it's, it's the saved Israel. Green is always life. So he's referencing the daughters of Jerusalem that indeed have gotten saved in this interim time. And she's caught up together with the church as well. And they become one bride, the vines, the tender grape give a good smell. And then he says, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. It's the second time he says that. And there's a reason why, Brother Jeremy, and this is where we'll close, and we'll pick it up on Monday. Verse, uh, turn over to First Thessalonians, verse uh, chapter four, and we'll see it. We'll see exactly what he's saying here. Exactly. First Thessalonians, chapter four. Chapter four. Yes. Yeah, I'm there. Read verse sixteen through eight, uh, eighteen. I think it is. Let me see. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's then that first, we are, wait, 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 that's that first come away with me, my love, right? Yeah. That's the first one in verse 10 of, of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, I believe it's uh, verse 11, where he, or, or, no, it's verse uh, 10, where he tells her, after the flash of light, right? There's a flash of light. Yes. Uh, and then she's, she, she says, I hear his voice. He speaks. That's the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. That's the voice we hear in Song of Solomon. I hear his voice. This is, she's describing the rapture. And, and then he says, uh, and then he says to her, come away, my love. Remember, he's been just going through this intense waiting anxiously to come get her. We know now that it is because what the scripture has revealed that there will be some that must that will have to lay down their lives under this intense scrutiny of the antichrist system that's coming and so the dead in christ shall rise first that's the first come away my love but then we have verse 17 which is the last arise and come away my love at first glance it looks like two raptures right yeah but it's an order it's yes it's an order yes you're right, brother. It's an order. Good point. I'm going to read verse he, 17. Yeah, because that's the second verse 13 of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13. He says the same thing. Arise, my love, and come away. What's interesting in verse uh, 13 is that he describes Israel and he describes the church. They're alive. That's why he describes her as green figs and, and vineyards that are giving forth a fragrance, because they're still alive. It, you understand what I'm telling you? They're still alive. Yeah. And that's that's why the dead in Christ will rise first. But then verse 17, Brother Jeremy. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you. Wherefore, yes. Yes. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So there we have it. 
we come to the end of verse 13 and, and the church is taken. And the reason that we see two two times, he says, in verse 11, he says, uh, rise up and come away. That's a reference to the dead in Christ. That's who he addresses first. They've paid the ultimate price for their devotion. He calls her his beloved. They rise first. And he speaks of resurrection, right? The flowers are blooming. The birds are singing. The turtle dove is in our land. You know, there's no judgment for us anymore. That dove references and harkens to the days of Noah when Noah sent out the dove and she returned and, and said that, that the payment is over. I mean, you know, it, it, the judgment has come and, and you're free from it, Noah. You've, you've survived it. That that harkens and hints at that. And then in verse 13, he says again that the, that the fig tree has put forth her green leaves. That's Israel. But she's alive, right? A tree that has putting forth green leaves is a resurrected tree that's blooming now. So it's referencing those that are alive and remain, both Israel who have been saved and the vineyard that sends forth a fragrance is that, that church. And they rise together. That's the second arise and come away, my love. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, those that were the dead in Christ, that, that paid the ultimate price. The, the, and this is the first resurrection. And 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 uh, <laughs> this is what we're hoping for. This is what we're looking for. The time is at hand, and and we're we're, we're longing anxiously for. It. And and these things have been revealed to us quite plainly, I think, in in the Song of Solomon. And and we're going to pick this up again on Monday, because what we're going to see is some very very cool things. Because I think what we begin to see is the journey to heaven. Verse 14 describes things like uh, my dove in the cleft of the rocks. It talks about the secret place of the stairs. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what that stuff means. And the, and the final unfolding when he comes to take us away, what's going to unfold on the planet. We'll, we'll explore all that uh, in, in, on Monday. Because you're going to see that the wrath of God is then poured out and how that's revealed. You're going to see the, the marriage supper of the Lamb that's taking place while the wrath of God is poured out. And then you'll see the dawning of the millennium when we return with him and he rules and reigns for a thousand years. All that is in podcast number six as we continue to explore the song of Solomon and the great pro prophetic mystery that's been hidden for thousands of years only now coming to light because we know the Lord is coming soon. We love you. We pray you have a great weekend. Brothers, would you close this out? Hey, man. What a, what a, what a study today in the Word of God. I, we pray. Uh, we have sent His presence throughout this uh, teaching, and we pray that you have been blessed and be uh, have been encouraged in knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back again soon. Hallelujah. So we ought to praise God. his name and glorify his name as you go into the weekend, knowing that we have a blessed hope and he's coming. He's coming. He's standing up. He's looking. Hallelujah. And so be encouraged this weekend. We pray the Lord blesses you, keeps you. Uh, continue to pray for us as we pray for you. And if the Lord allows us, we'll be back with you on Monday to continue our study on the Song of Solomon. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.